What's going on, traders? Welcome and welcome to the SPACs attack. Let's get it started. Dun, 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 dun. What's up? What's up? How we doing out there, my Zinger Nation? Welcome to the SPACs Attack, where we talk everything SPACs. And if you're a SPAC fan, definitely give me a thumbs up to get it started. Let's bring on my man to the show, the brains. And as you see the cars behind me, we're going to start our engines today. Let's bring in Chris. Hey, what's going on, Mitch? How we doing today? What's going on, man, is I'm ready to power shift into second and get into our interview already. As you see behind me, I love cars. I Honestly, I, I don't have a stick vehicle anymore, and I miss doing that. I don't know about you, Chris, but there's nothing like a first to second pull, power shift into second. Boom, you hit, you feel that tranny just, just hit the back. You know you got it right in lock. I don't know about you. I've done a couple of uh, eleven second passes, so I, I I miss I miss going fast. I gotta say I do. Well, it looks like today's interview is gonna be right up your alley then, because we we're gonna talk performance auto parts with Holly, an iconic company that's been around for for decades that chose a SPAC to go public. So super excited about that interview. We're going to find out, you know, why they went public now and why they chose the SPAC route. And then also what's ahead for them, you know, with their direct-to-consumer omni-channel and also maybe talk, you know, how do EVs play into their growth ahead. So super excited. Yep, definitely. We're going to get into that. I know we got some headlines like always and there's a big one out there guys so stay tuned guys we're gonna get to it like always guys definitely definitely welcome to the SPACs attack and let's go ahead and let's go back to taking us back to the headlines all right guys yeah so headlines today up first we have General Motors announcing the launch of Ultium Charge 360 This is their new platform that's going to integrate charging networks on vehicle mobile apps and other products. So they're collaborating with seven charging network companies with over 60,000 charging plugs then available to their customers. Um, Those partners include Blink Charging, ChargePoint Holdings, EV Connect, Flow, GreenLots, SemiConnect, and EVGo. So we, of course, know that Blink Charging is public, BLNK, ChargePoint Holdings public, CHPT, which I do own shares of, went public via SPAC. And then EVGo is going public with the SPAC Climate Change Crisis Real Impact One Acquisition Corp, ticker CLII, that's quite the name um, for that SPAC. But so shares yesterday of ChargePoint, um, we're up 5% on the news and shares of CLII up 8% on the news. So it's important to note too, in that GM deal that EVGo and GM launched the first Ultium ready fast chargers recently with a goal of 500 fast charging stalls live by the end of 2021. Their partnership includes plans for 2,700 fast chargers by the year 2025 with each site having an average of four chargers per site. So CLII, you know, getting the love yesterday, shares are down today. But of the companies mentioned in the GM deal, you know, EVGo 
was highlighted more than any of the other companies. So they could be the biggest winner from this GM charging deal as General Motors looks to um, you know, provide charging infrastructure for their customers as they shift to all electric vehicles in the future. Then we have Clove, so Clover Health, CLOV, announcing they will report first quarter earnings on May 17th. This has been a hot mover over the past couple of days. Um, you know, it was a short squeeze rumored candidate, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Shares have been, you know, moving. Um, we're over 11 today. Um, this is one that traded under 10 for quite a while. That earnings date could be a major catalyst to watch. Um, you know, if they report any new deals with any of these healthcare providers, if they update on, you know, members, we, we could see a nice boost. But on the flip side, if they don't really get into anything new, you know, you could see shareholders lose interest and, you know, sell out. So keep an eye out on CLOV. That's a couple weeks away still. We have PSAC and VLDR. So Faraday Future selecting Velodyne as the exclusive LiDAR supplier for their flagship FF91 luxury electric vehicle. Remember, we had Faraday Future on the show, those, you know, awesome looking cars with, with the huge, you know, interior. Um, so keep an eye out, you know, as we talk these LiDAR companies, they need to get deals with vehicle companies. And here you have Faraday selecting Velodyne. We have NSTB, Northern Star, their merging partner, Apex Clearing, announcing first quarter results yesterday. So net revenue up 98% year over year, net income up 414% year over year. Total customer accounts grew 85% year over year, and then customer trades increased 183%. They ended the quarter with 14.4 million accounts. Um, that they, you know, help manage from the back end. So again, Apex Clearing is one of those thing behind the thing companies powering some of these brokers and their customers, um, you know, both stocks and crypto. So keep an eye out on this one. That was a pretty good uh, report from the company yesterday. Then we turn to ARK Funds. So ARK in their daily email announcing they bought more shares of CMIIU. We talked about that on the show yesterday. Remember that that SPAC deal uh, ARC Funds actually was part of the pipe along with Illumina and Novartis. Um, you know, so it looks like now either, uh, you know, showing that pipe deal on ARCG's holdings or buying additional shares. Um, you know, so keep an eye out on this one. This is Soma Logic. Um, and then also ARC buying 506,397 shares of Glio, G L E O which announced their SPAC deal yesterday with Target Shapeways. This is a 3D printing uh, digital manufacturing company. Um, they do have a partnership with Desktop Metal. So important to note here that ARC Funds has been active buying 3D printing companies. Um, you know, Desktop Metal, uh, ticker ONE, which is merging with MarkForged, SPFR, and then now Glio. So she could be trying to diversify and take positions in all of them. Uh, we saw that with some of the electrical vertical uh, takeoff vehicles where she bought stakes in several of them. Um, so we'll see if she keeps all these positions, but a nice entry point here for Glio, and we'll see if more shares get picked up today. And one of the movers yesterday, we had MUDS, M-U-D-S, up 6%, hitting a new all-time high. 
closed at 1789. So we talked about this one on the show yesterday. Mud seeing, you know, a, a big movement here, tops with their NFTs and people realizing the the brand recognition of the cards, the growth of sports cards, and then also the NFT platform that they're building. We talked about this on the first day it was announced. Shares hit a high of 11.63. We, you know, recommended this one on on day one as, as a long-term play, and it is now up 50% from the deal announcement day. Um, you know, so definitely liking muds going forward. But again, already a 50% gain, even if you bought in on the highs of that first day announcement. We have THCB. Uh, announcing that approval votes needed at the May 10th meeting will be reduced from 65% to a majority of shares outstanding. Um, So this is one that struggled um, to get through on that extension vote. And it looks like they found a way to, um, you know, lower the number of shares needed to vote to get the deal approved. So they're going to vote later on this summer, probably May or June, But it looks like now, based on those new requirements, it will pass. So THCB had a nice move up 6% after hours yesterday um, and up again today. And then STPK uh, approved the merger with STEM. We said that on the show yesterday. Uh, Looks like they will make the change over today, and we could see shares trading as STEM as early as today. So new ticker will be STEM. Then we have one rumor out there, no tickers involved, but Israeli clean tech company uh, TIPA, which is compost, compost, compostable flexible packaging, uh, considering a SPAC merger, 500 million to 600 million valuation. This is from Calculus, which has been pretty spot on with some of this, these Israeli company rumors. Um, so keep an eye out on this one. It, it did just raise at a $120 million valuation in February. So doing a deal at $500 million, you might see some criticism out there for you know such a large increase in just a couple months. And then we do have one new SPAC IPO today. So for the first time in several weeks, um, we're going to see a new SPAC hit the market. This will be ticker B. SKYU trading as units. This is Big Sky, $300 million raised, targeting internet, retail, and direct to consumer. Units will include a quarter of a warrant. This includes the founder of Zoo Lily, who was also a chairman at Chewy. And then the team also includes executives from Allbirds, Stitch Fix, Walmart, and Ulta Beauty. So again, the first new SPAC to hit the market in two weeks. So definitely interested to see if this one can trade over $10 or if we'll see it below there. And then we do have the merger vote today for BSPR. And then earnings heating up. The May schedule is looking big for a lot of these former SPACs. Um, So definitely keep an eye out. But Mitch, what do you think? Where we're getting a new IPO today? You know, we we talked about this, right? How there hadn't been a lot of new IPOs after the SEC, uh, you know, looking to change the way warrants are reclassified. But here we are, you know, on Thursday, we're finally seeing one hit the market. So, what do you think? Do you think we trade over ten dollars today, or you know, do you think this one drops? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I noticed is that you know, I kind of. I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm 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 like, can can we hold on a little bit, a little bit more? 
a little bit more. You know, I, I don't want to see weeks. too much rush rush the market. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I am focused on the demand coming back versus the supply. There's always yeah. the equilibrium, right? And so one of the things I'm noticing some demand come back because if you look at some of the SPAC charts, and we're going to be talking about that later today, some of the top movers, you're going to see that there's some big volume bars showing up. And what does that show? That maybe there's some big buyers trying to step up and get that bottom look. And so I'm going to definitely pay attention in these next couple of weeks to see if we can continue that trend in getting those big volume bars to showing up at those bottom looks. So, hey, there's a lot of them out there that are starting to get some moves. I know some people think that some of them are just short squeeze. I think what you're really starting to see is some bigger investors really starting to understand what Chris and I talk about a lot of the times is the fifth wave of SPAC, which is after, let's say, D-SPAC, and you really start focusing on the valuation. You focus on earnings. You know, we, we, we talked about a, a stock today that reported earnings. You have to really start paying attention to that so you can see how their earnings and their actual bottom line is matching their projections looking forward. So definitely let's pay attention to that moving on. Yeah, of course, you know, excellent point on earnings. You know, Mitch, you've been saying that with these D SPACs, right? So I'm excited because, you know, I, I look at our calendar and in May we've got skills, MP materials, DraftKings, and then we've got a couple questionable ones, right? We've got Nicola, um, you know, who who might not have anything to really report, right? Because they're, they're still trying to work on all that stuff. Um, and then we have Clover Health, which Clover Health, you, you know, the last time they reported their guidance was actually down from their original investor presentation. That kind of started, you know, sending these shares down. And now it's been a, a short squeeze candidate and people, you know, getting interest again. But, you know, are, are they going to be disappointed if the company, you know, turns in another quarter where we see minimal growth and, you know, lowered guidance going forward? So, you know, a lot of things to watch. I know I'll be uh, tuning in for those earnings and trying to get some recaps, you know, both for the show and for articles on Benzinga.com. So stay tuned. All right, guys, I want to say some shout outs to the, everyone in the chat. So if you're new to the show, definitely say hello. That's what we like to do here. We want to recognize you out there. So we love our loyal viewers, like let's say Carl out there. Um, of course, Sue in the house, Elite Trading coming through. Love it, love it. We're definitely going to be paying attention. Where's the SPACs attack crew? Let me know, guys. Say hello in the chat. Um, one thing I wanted to do, Chris, and before we start our engines and get into the interview today, is, is talk a little bit about some enthusiasm that, that really gets behind vehicles and, and that motoring lifestyle. So I'm excited to get into our interview today. As you can see behind me, uh, I, I'm, I love their investor presentation. I was just looking at the cars. There's this, there's this one where you see like the drifting Mustangs and, and, and they got even the Fox body there for, for us older fans that love the Fox bodies. I used to have a friend that used to have like five five O's. So um, definitely excited to get into our interview. Chris, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. All right, guys. Super excited. Again, another exclusive interview here on SPACs Attack. So joining us on the show, we have Tom Tomlinson, the president and CEO of Holly, and Matthew Rubel, the CEO of Empower. So Holly is going public with Empower in a SPAC merger. That ticker is EMPW. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Good Great. morning. Great to be Good with morning. you. No drifting, no drifting allowed <laughs> in this conversation. So we're, we're straight out. Nice, of it. You know, nice. Uh, you got it. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm sure one, one or two of you have done a couple power shifts in your time. So, most definitely, most yeah, definitely. Well, we don't call Tom the CEO as in the chief executive officer. We call him the chief enthusiast officer. So there you go. he, I like he, that. It's a, it's a it. company by enthusiasts for enthusiasts, <laughs> and Tom is the chief of them all. Definitely. Let's go ahead and let's get into our questions. I'll let Chris ask some and I'll be back with some of my own. All right, guys, going to try to split up the questions here, but feel free to jump in, you know, if there's anything you want to highlight on a particular question. So, you know, I, I'm going to start with Tom here, you know, SPACs attack. We're all about SPACs. So why the decision to, to go public with a SPAC and was a traditional IPO uh, consideration? So we were at a natural stage for us where we were out getting ready to go out in the market and, and uh, look for uh, financing uh, really to support the next phase of our growth. And uh, so we were working with an investment banking group and, and really, you know, this is not something we do every day. So, so that was our introduction to uh, the SPAC vehicle. And, uh, it, it, you know, as we got, as we learned more and more about it, uh, it seemed like a very efficient way uh, to, to do an IPO. Um, it also allows us to get out of this cycle every few years uh, as a PE sponsored company of, you know, uh, going out and looking for a new sponsor. So um, really excited about it, excited about partnering with Empower, given their expertise on the, you know, consumer digital side, um, you know, also expertise with public companies. So uh, it, it became a natural for us after we looked at it a little bit. Perfect. And then I turn to you, Matthew, you know, you've got a SPAC and we've got thousands of private companies out there. So, you know, I'm sure you looked at more than one, but you, you found Holly. So what is it that you, you know, really saw in Holly that set them apart and you chose to use the SPAC to take them public here? Well, you're right. We came out on October 7th and uh, had a very robust pipeline because we had positioned ourselves to provide value with, you know, the consumer and through digital, through branding and through a great board and advisory team. But Holly stood out um, and it stood out um, for a few core reasons. Number one, um, there's an there's an enthusiast market of 15 million people here who are passionate about their cars. And Holly was positioned in a $34 billion marketplace as the leader, and it was a highly fragmented marketplace. They showed Tom had built a team which had 22% CAGR over a 10 year time period, pretty darn good record for a CEO. Um, and they owned their consumer. They were just getting into digital where it was growing over 40%, but they were an innovation machine with 135 engineers that were driving innovation, which drove organic growth. Plus they were an acquisition machine. So they were able to do that and the free cash flow and the cash flow were superior. So we have a strong margins, strong cash flow, loyal consumer base, great management team, you know, the chief enthusiast officer of a, of a sector, it would be hard to say no. Awesome. So, you know, Tom, I, I know some people watching are probably familiar with Holly and, you know, all the brands included here and that performance auto market. But for those who are not familiar with Holly, just give us kind of a brief background of, you know, what the company is all about here. Well, so, so we, uh, we make, products we design engineer 
manufacture products for enthusiasts who uh, just absolutely love their cars and trucks. And um, we, we interact with them in a variety of ways. We sell directly to them. Um, we're, we're very focused on our consumer and that's been a big part of the company's uh, renaissance here over the last 10 years or so. Um, these are parts that, uh, uh, these are part products that consumers use to modify their vehicles to improve their performance. Uh, their purchase is a passion for our consumers and the cars and trucks that they modify are cherished possessions. So it's very, very much uh, a business that's around enthusiasm and, and the love of automobiles. Perfect. And then, you know, it looks like very strong growth during the pandemic here. So, you know, Matthew, you, you had a chance to, to dive in, you know, and see Holly's financials, you know, from the past and from the future. So, you, you know, was this year's growth um, that Holly saw, was that really a key here, um, you know, in getting a deal done, you know, with this company at that time? Um, well, their growth over time, I mean, one of the things that we looked at was not just this year's growth because mapping this year's consumer growth is, you know, there's ups, there's downs for everybody that are a little bit abnormal. But what we saw over the 10 year time period was that the there was about a 10% um, growth in organic. So therefore, the way they priced, the way they innovated and the way they really were looking to where the consumer wanted to go within these great iconic brands, they were able to unlock that. And then they had the acquisitive growth. So to me, it was the combination of those in a fragmented marketplace. Um, the fact that it did well during the pandemic, um, you know, was a, a great understanding of what people do with their passion time. But we believe that the way people go back to work here, um, is that while people will go back, obviously, to offices and to places of work, you know, it'll be four days a week. It'll be five, some cases. It may, you know, it, people will have much more flexible work schedules and will continue to work on their passions. So this is a real company with real consumers making a really cool product um, that uh, is continuing to grow. Awesome. So, you know, Tom, I, I just mentioned, you know, growth during the pandemic, but it looks like Holly, you know, ha, has put this omni-channel approach into action to capture, you know, growth from, from retail, from direct to consumer that, you know, is helping during the pandemic, but also setting the company up for post-pandemic. So can you talk about, you know, how Holly can maintain this momentum right now uh, going forward, you know, out of the pandemic? Sure. So from our perspective, what drives our organic growth is, is innovation. So, um, you know, we do have 135 plus engineers that are focused on, um, you know, designing products that, that, that are very exciting to our consumers. And, um, you know, that, that's a big part of our focus. We start with what the consumers want. We start with the vehicles that they love. And then we, we look for opportunities to really help them have a complete journey to modify these vehicles. So, so really uh, starting with the consumer, uh, innovation, developing the products that they love. And then also um, uh, we, we uh, reach our consumers, uh, you know, where they are today. That's a lot uh, to, to a great extent online. And uh, but we also have uh, experiential events. Uh, we re recently did our Holly LS Fest West out in Las Vegas. 
great event. Uh, we have tremendous participation. The events have grown every year. And uh, that, that's all part of uh, continuing to build these relationships. Um, and, 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 then, and then, you know, consumers can purchase our uh, products uh, wherever they choose to shop. We love to sell them uh, direct. Uh, that's our fastest growing channel. It's our highest margin channel. But uh, for, for enthusiasts that, that um, you know, that are more comfortable for one reason or another or have relationships with our, our numerous resellers, uh, we also support them. Uh, we have a lot of good reseller partners out there and they're growing with us. Awesome. So, Tom, one of the things that stuck out to me is this uh, from the company. It's, you know, built by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. So why is that so important here in such a uh, loyal market, you know, with repeat customer uh, driven sales? Well, I, I think, um, the, you know, the, the number one thing is we're authentic. And, and the reason we're authentic is because we're, you know, our business is a magnet for performance enthusiasts. You know, they come to us no matter what their chosen profession is. So we literally are comprised of enthusiasts from the shop floor to the executive suite. Uh, we understand our enthusiasts um, and, and it's because we're out there doing it with them. Uh, you know, I'm out in the garage working on my vehicles every, every week. And, uh, you know, I, it's been a lifelong passion for me. It has been for many of our associates. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that our consumers see that, um, you know, we're real, we're out there doing it with them. It's obvious in the way we live. Uh, we are diehard automotive enthusiasts. Perfect. So I want to turn a little to M&A, you know, and ask both of you guys here. So, Matthew, you mentioned it, you know, in those opening remarks of, you know, Holly uh, being very opportunistic in M&A. So, you, you know, as you explore doing this deal, you know, uh, is, is that something we're going to continue to see then is, you know, Holly, you, you know, complete some mergers and acquisitions. And was that part of the, the logic here in getting a SPAC deal done for the company? It, it absolutely was. I mean, in a fragmented marketplace where you've got a business of scale that has built out an infrastructure that can both build that innovation machine and then you can add that innovation to some of these smaller companies, you know, that are really, you know, great providers in a specific category for a specific type of vehicle. Um, we'll continue to do that. And um, Tom can talk a little bit about it, but we just acquired AEM. We have two acquisitions that were done last year, but AEM, you know, we um, just announced really last week. So after we had announced, you know, the merger, we, we still we're working on acquisitions and we have as you can see here you know an incredibly robust pipeline you know tom and i were actually talking this morning our issue isn't you know are there things to buy it's about choosing what are the right things to buy yeah. you know for us so we have um, a lineup of things that we can do it and also the other thing i think it's important to say is that um, we're able to buy them at an effective multiple, which will be accretive on the buy-in, but then also the way in which we operate, we can drive growth, we can drive operational synergies, you know, which means that basically we can buy them down as well so that they're even more accretive than that which we buy them at. So, so Tom has, uh, with his team, developed a very good model there, and we're just going to, you know, work to work with him work with the partner that they have had Sentinel with MidOcean, you know, to continue to have a very robust and thoughtful pipeline. 
Yeah, and then Tom, you know, if you want to follow up here on on M and A opportunities and maybe what it is that Holly is looking for, you know, whether to you know add some adjacent markets or you know increase that direct to consumer uh, portfolio going forward. Sure, we we look at acquisition targets through the eyes of our consumers. So we're looking for brands and products that are very, very appealing to our consumers. And, and our vision is to offer them a very complete journey. So uh, if you're a fan of Fox Body Mustangs, I think Mitch mentioned them at the beginning of the program. Um, you know, we want someone who, who loves Fox Bodies to be able to you know, do all of the modifications to the, um, to, you know, to that platform, to that car. Uh, without having to send them to any of our competitors. So uh, we, we can, there are product categories that we don't cover today. And um, so we can acquire businesses that allow us to add those product categories in. And then we can also apply those product categories to the vehicles that other consumers love. Um, we can also to, uh, go out and acquire businesses that have focused on specific categories or platforms rather where vehicle platforms, where we don't have a lot of presence today. Um, our presence today is mostly in, uh, you know, domestic muscle cars, uh, trucks, uh, and then we have VW, Porsche, Audi, and BMW. Um, you know, Japanese cars uh, would be an example where uh, there are a large group of enthusiasts that are very, very passionate about those vehicles. And that's one of the reasons why we were so excited about AEM. Um, AEM is, is just an iconic brand. Um, and and the the, uh, the enthusiasts that are most familiar with it over the years literally are uh, sport compact and uh, import enthusiasts. So uh, it, it's exciting to us to be able to welcome more enthusiasts into our fold, and then uh, you know be able to le leverage the infrastructure we're building in terms of DTC, uh, in terms of you know the digital outreach uh, to our consumers. So, um, you know, those are just some of the things that factor in. Obviously, we love uh, being able to, uh, you know, leverage down our multiple and exponentially grow the value of our company through synergies. We've been very successful uh, with doing that over the years. Uh, $35 million of synergies since 2014, which represents more than 50% of the acquired EBITDA. Um, so, you know, we, we, um, we certainly are car enthusiasts. We, we, we love um, we, we love cars. We love the business, but it's ex it's also exciting to us to be able to leverage our value through through synergies. One of the things we always do when we acquire businesses is invest in new crop new product uh, because we know that's what gets our consumers excited and drives our organic growth. Awesome. And then, you know, one of the slides that stuck out to me uh, was the one that shows the performance auto aftermarket you know, being massive and consistently growing. So 6.5% compounded annual growth over an 18 year period. So, you, you know, Matthew, as you look to get this deal done, you, you know, was, was this growth um, of the market a key, you know, with Holly being a, a dominant player in it, but also just a, a massive market, you know, that's still, you know, in the growth stages. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And that is that, you know, it, it's a large, market that is consistently growing and to find a market I mean one of our things at empower was we wanted to find marketplaces that grew at or above the average check does that 
we wanted to find players that were number one or two in their marketplace. Jack, we found number one. Um, and to find um, ones where they were going through a transformation to the more modern ways of connecting with consumers. And the digital business is in a nascent state, leadership state within its category, but still based on you know the consumer space, there's a lot of room to add um, new ideas to it. And one of the things Tom also mentioned was you know the Holly LS Fest that took place at the you know Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past weekend, where Tom you know, took, took Graham and myself out there. Um, and uh, no, we didn't, I uh, didn't go drifting um, in a car, but the number of people, I think they had, I don't know, Tom, if you got the final count yet, but over 20,000 people, you know, showing up to an event that, you know, where they could share the passion and love of their cars. And so a marketplace that's growing, uh, the company that's dominant, the ability to acquire it, to innovate it and to grow at a pace that is, at least double the rate of that marketplace, we believe is a reason to invest. Awesome. So, you, you know, Tom, I, I look at the, the presentation and we have, you know, the forward looking financial looks like 12.8% compounded annual growth from 2019 to 2022. So I guess my big question is, you know, how does Holly get there and how much potential M&A is priced into those projections, if any at all. So let's let's start with the M and A. Uh, we 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 didn't include any future M and A in those numbers. We wanted to see the organic case. Uh, we wanted po uh, potential investors to be able to see the organic, uh, you know, the organic case. In in terms of how do we get there, um, really it's it's very much the uh, the strategy that we've developed and refined over the last decade or so. And that's a focus on innovative new product. We, we launch thousands of products every year. And, um, and then we're super excited about uh, grooving and, and, and polishing the way we reach our, uh, our enthusiast consumers. And we've been learning as we go and uh, continually getting better, uh, you know, growing our SEO, uh, you know, learning more about very effective SEM. We've got a content, you know, an owned content uh, strategy uh, that we really launched in uh, September of 2020. It's already showing results from a uh, session standpoint on the website. So uh, we're super excited about all that. And, uh, you know, we're just though getting to the point where we've got the data, uh, we've got it in a centralized location, and, um, you know, we'll be able to start targeting our, you know, our, our enthusiasts. And uh, so, so we think you know that'll supercharge the business. I love that image you just had a, up a minute ago, the Ram truck uh, with um, you know Motor Life is this uh, one of the key key ways that we're bringing um, you know consumers to the website to learn, uh, you know, for entertainment, uh, but also then to have the ability to buy the uh, you know the products they need for the vehicles they love right on our website. Perfect. So it looks like I'm going to pass off to Mitch here for some questions. I'll just say, you know, it looks like he's going to ask about, um, you know, millennials and Gen Z. Uh, you know, that was something that stuck out for me. We use that M word sometimes myself being a millennial. But, you know, it looks like Holly saw, you know, some some strong growth in the millennial and Gen Z segment. So I'll pass off to Mitch here, though, uh, for some more questions. All right. All right, guys, my turn. I've been excited to get to it. So one of the things that I've been noticing is that, of course, we've had this kind of new generational move 
really shifting into EV, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the, the biggest trends that I can see going into, let's say, the next 20 years or something like that, really long term. But right now, that's definitely a trend that I'm seeing move into. So how are you guys positioned in the EV market to go ahead and capitalize here? So uh, we are, uh, we're uniquely positioned and really um, for, we can look at it a couple different ways. We see the opportunity in a, in a couple different categories. We mentioned the fact that we focused on vehicle platforms that consumers love. We do that today. And from our perspective, you know, adding products for Tesla is not really that much different from su supporting Camaro or Mustang, you know, whatever the case, whatever the, the you know, the, the, the vehicle a consumer is passionate about. Yes, the, you know, a lot of the products are a little bit different, but we have a lot of electronic expertise. And uh, really, over the last dozen years, we've developed an incredible amount of expertise in electronic controls. And uh, so, so that, that uh, you know, allows us to get into the systems inside these vehicles. Today, we've got a monitor uh, up and working, a prototype monitor up and working with a Tesla Model 3. And, uh, and then the other, cat the other area where we see opportunities is just there's a lot of uh, consumer interest today. We see this growing to convert gasoline-powered vehicles, ICE vehicles, uh, uh, to electric power. And uh, we've, we've um, got a project, uh, have, have had a project, it's up and running now. We converted a, uh, a pickup truck to, to electric power. Uh, we're learning from that, taking data off of it, starting to build our product programs around that. And then AEM, our recent acquisition, also has some electronic control products for EV conversions. We're really excited now about our co combined capability and leveraging that to launch products more quickly. And, uh, you know, I would say um, I, I noticed maybe four years ago or so, um, you know, videos all over the Internet about Tesla Model S uh, performance cars j just racing and beating everything in the world, Lamborghinis, Cobras, um, uh, Ferraris, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, well, you know what, I got to check this out. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been an enthusiast all my life and, uh, you know, this new technology comes along and um, wow, these things seem fast. So, so I bought a uh, Tesla Model 3 Performance. It's been my daily driver now for two years. And uh, we, we're actively developing products for the Tesla. Um, and I've got prototype parts on the car now that I'm driving every day and we'll, we'll, we'll start to launch those products this year. So we're super excited about that space. We think it grows our overall market. And uh, we think we're uniquely positioned, especially with our electronic expertise, to really bring something to the table here for our consumers. Hey, it looks like you guys are not getting left behind with the new generation of move here. And, and we're going to see more and more. You know, one of the things that we've been seeing is President Biden talking about more credits and, and things like that. So I can think that can yeah. even you know, further accelerate this trend. And it looks like you guys are right on top of it. Uh, the next thing I want to go to, I'm going to go to a question on to Matthew here. Uh, so Matthew, I, I'm going to put up here from the invested deck and, and I'm sure this played into your, your decision making here, but can you explain to me why Holly seems so attractive at that 10.3 times the X for the future EBITDA here in, in 2021 compared to, let's say, uh, a closer company, I would compare Fox here at that 27.8. Can you explain to us how that came into your decision making and why you think Holly is so attractive at this value? Well, Holly's margins um, are 
at or above the margins of many of the companies on this page. And, and, and the growth rate is at or above many of the companies that are on this page. So the, the only area, you know, we have a little more debt, you know, than, than some of the others. But other than that, you know, we are superior in performance. And so we believe there's room for tremendous multiple expansion. The street just has to get used to the fact that we, you know, we're a new, fresh company out there. And Tom and his team are, you know, um, doing a great job. You know, we see no, you know, let up in the, the performance or the, the numbers that, that, you know, we've put forward. You know, they, they're very solid. And, we're, you know, on track for, you know, our, our, you know, late June despacking, you know, and really see this as, uh, or actually mid June despacking and and merger just after that. But, you know, we're really, we're really in good, good shape. And listen, if you look at Holly, you know, against Fox Factory and look at the, the multiple of Fox Factory versus Holly, you can basically get a company that's growing at the same rate with many of the same enthusiast type uh, traits and attributes, but at half the EBITDA uh, multiple. And, and so there's, there's so much upside here. Um, it's, it's uh, from our perspective, a great, great investment. It's something where, you know, I didn't take on the chairman's role because this is a transaction. I took on it because it's a great team, a great investment and got a great long-term horizon. All right, I'll act a, a follow up here for Tom and 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 I'll I'll actually piggyback here off of Matthew. I, I to me I always look at that number and and we're talking here for that gross margin and I always look for that uh, above that 35%. For me that's this sweet spot um, when you start seeing that good uh, number really trickle down. Um, and here you're seeing 44% compared to, let's say, the Fox right next to it at that 33%. Tom, how do you guys uh, achieve this here in the gross margins? So um, obviously uh, we, we, our products, our brands are, are premium brands in the marketplace. And uh, so, so, so certainly we have pricing power in the marketplace. We, we also uh, watch our costs closely. Um, we, we've been able to generate a lot of synergies with our acquisitions to, to uh, even when their margins are lower than ours, bring them up to, uh, to support our overall margins. And um, everything we do is focused on the enthusiast consumer. And, you know, one of the challenges with Fox is a large part of their business is OE. And, you know, when I go back in our past, we, we did some OE business and we know that can be very challenging. Uh, from a uh, uh, you know from a margin standpoint, because the uh, the uh, original equipment manufacturers um, you know are, are very tough. They expect uh, reductions in in, cost, in pricing every year, and uh, so so that's one of the reasons we love the enthusiast space, the performance space. That is our focus. Uh, you know, it is everything we do. And uh, again, these are these are purchases of passion for our consumers. They don't go. Um, you, you know, it's, it's not a guy just trying to repair or maintain a vehicle. Uh, it's somebody who's improving the performance of this, this vehicle that they love. And, uh, you know, that allows us to, to uh, um, you know, make great margins and, and we continue to invest, um, you know, a part of that to, to, to continually bring exciting new products, um, which we know is their number one, our consumer's number one purchase driver is exciting new products. Yeah, well, actually, I found out, Mitch, that stock is not an option, you know, 
It's all about <laughs> personalization and customization. And, you know, yes. I mean, you know, you were talking about your car earlier and uh, even thinking about it now, I see in your eyes, you're smiling, you know, because yep, it's like, this yep. is fun. We all had that coming of age moment around a car. We kind of sat in one meeting one day and we said, all right, everybody, tell us when you first thought of a car. And everybody went through when they were 14, 12, 15, 16 years old in that first moment. And that stays with you for life and that's not gonna change. Yeah, really, you know, it, it's really uh, interesting. And, and listening to you talk, Matt, um, you know, one of the things we're here on an investment program. And when we when we talk about stock, we're not talking about shares of stock. We're talking about leaving a car uh, the way it came from the factory. Our consumers don't feel like a car is theirs until they've modified it. So when we say stock is not an option, um, that's what we mean. They our consumers can't leave these cars alone. They've got to modify them. I can't blame you. I, I mean, if you, no modifications, I mean, how do you make it your own, right? That's and, right. And so that's what I would definitely say to that. Uh, I'd have to know at the end, Tom, I would love to know what was your first car, but uh, we, we can oh. get into that. <laughs> we can get into that after. But okay. One of the trends that I'm seeing now, and, and I think you guys probably been seeing this now, is the rise in, in value for collectibles. And how you're starting to see also maybe and mentioned in the chat here, uh, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of people going to trying to maybe fix some old cars, try to get these sales up. And, and so with that being said, are you guys seeing a trend also in the parts of, let's say, some older classic cars that are trending up and then also a trend of, of people from apartments moving into the suburbs? They got garages now. So, right. you know, a, a lot of that, I mean, hey, I, I, I used to love working on my car, but it's very hard to work on your car if you're like out on the street, you know, you want a garage to be working on it. So let us know about some of those trends that you guys are seeing. Sure. So, you, you know, I mean, one of the interesting things we're seeing, well, first, let me say we're about almost 50-50 between classic cars and trucks and then modern and late model trucks. And, uh, you know, there are just a lot of... Um, we follow so many different platforms. But one of the big trends we're seeing is, is pickup trucks. People love old, you know, classic pickup trucks. So that's certainly an area for growth. And, um, you know, you mentioned Fox bodies. Uh, Fox bodies are huge. Uh, the GM G bodies. So, um, you know, they made so many of them. They're, uh, you know, front engine, rear wheel drive. Uh, a lot of them came with V8s. Even if not, it's easy to put a V8 in them. So that, that you know, that would be another trend. And, um, you know, we, we talked about LS Fest earlier. Uh, one of the trends we see, and we make a lot of products uh, to support this, and that is consumers converting everything that you can imagine to the GM LS engine platform. And, uh, you know, when I say everything, we're talking, you know, not only vintage cars, whether it's Chevy, Ford, Dodge, Volkswagens even, um, you, you know, late late model uh, vehicles, uh, BMWs, uh, Japanese cars, the drift, drift guys really love the torque of the, um, uh, you know, the LS engine uh, really allows them to, you know, get into a great grift and drift and make lots of noise. So that that's another one of the trends. So what I could probably go on longer than we have. Tom. So I'll pause there. Tom, what about the hearse we saw on the drag strip? Oh yeah, absolutely. So at LS Fest West, there was a, a hearse, hearse, 
you know, that they take people to the graveyard in that um, uh, that was all yeah. highly modified tube frame chassis. And uh, it was running what something like 160 plus miles an hour in the quarter. 169. Yeah. Yep. Very, very well, fast. It probably was from uh, Count Customs, that guy <laughs> in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, I think Chris is going to wrap us up, mention some comments here, definitely from the chat. But before then, I mean, Tom, I had to ask you that question. What was your first car? So my very first car, and you got to keep in mind that I was 13 years old, so I, I couldn't go out and buy any car I wanted. Um, but it was a 1964 Chevy Impala. And um, mm. my second car was a 1965 Chevy Impala Supersport. And, uh, you know, it's just been a passion that's followed me um, throughout the course of my lifetime. And, and uh, you know, I have, I have my cars may be a little better today uh, than, than those, but they were very and even today are, are exciting to me. We'll let you slide with that one, seeing as we're from Detroit here, you know, our us Ford fans. There you go. <laughs> hey, I've got I'm a big Mustang fan. I've got a lot of Mustangs today. Got to. Got including got fox bodies <laughs> yeah i'll, Those I'll are the follow fun up ones. with the, the ford versus gm here i my first car was a chevy cavalier um a 97 my grandpa worked for general motors for over 30 years we were a loyal gm family for many many years so had to have a chevy as my first vehicle um i think it was also my second third and fourth vehicle as well so you, you know tom and matthew you know we we loved this interview the chat loved it you got lots of loyal fans out there. I'll, I'll say that there's lots of people, you know, excited, you know, about this company going public and just your company in general. So, you know, I want to thank both of you again, guys. We have Tom Tomlinson, the president and CEO of Holly, and Matthew Rubel, the CEO of Empower. So the company is going public in a SPAC merger. That ticker is EMPW. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for taking time out of your busy schedule for joining us on the show today. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. It's been our pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. All right. All right, guys. As you guys heard, another one done here. And I don't know about you guys, but I wish I could drive this car behind me. <laughs> I would take it for a spin right now. Um, they'd probably lose me at Benzinka for the rest of the day, but... Uh, I'm going to be looking at this company to see what happens in the next couple of months. One of the companies that I can go ahead and let's let's shift them into the long term basket and see how the revenues produce in the next couple of years. And, and maybe it's one that you put in your bag. You know, like I mentioned, I think, you know, collectibles are going to continue moving up. And, and, and we're seeing the collectibles market keep moving. So maybe because of that, they even get a spark in their sales there. Yeah. And someone mentioned it in the chat, right? We're seeing a, a shortage of used cars out there, right? So what could that mean? And, and you hit on some trends too, Mitch, you know, moving to the, uh, you know, having garages, being able to work on your cars. If there's not as many used cars out there, you're more likely to, you know, keep the car you have, but why not, you know, spend some money add some performance to it. People collecting old cars, you know, there, there's a market there. You can, you know, increase the value of them with some of this performance as well. The keys for me here, guys, we talk all the time about SPACs, right? That are a couple years away from revenue, a couple years away from profitability. Here you have another example uh, of a company going public that has real revenue, growing revenue and, and profitability. So for anyone who says, you know, that it's just these, you know, these non-revenue, non-profitable companies going public with SPACs, 
This is another example here, you know, Holly, a decades old company, you know, choosing the SPAC route to go public, right? And, and I think that's a testament to, you know, SPAC still being a, a valuable way to hit the public market. And, and Mitch, that that electric vehicle talk, what a what a key thing to kind of set them apart from some of the competition that they're looking at, you know, electric vehicles. I mean, he even said Tesla, right? Like they're, they're working on performance for electric vehicles. So they see the finish line ahead um, and, and they're going to get there. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think this company does really great and we're showing them now is their events. Uh, they have an event coming up here, guys, uh, the Ford Fest. Um, definitely check it out, guys. I, I think they do great on, on their social aspect, like you mentioned. You talked a lot about that, how they've been focusing on that aspect and how that could really be kind of a driver as a scene kind of, you know, car enthusiasts, they, they look all the time for blogs and, and, and kind of to learn about vehicles and learn more. And that's how you see their kind of their website actually bring in the blogs next to their parts. I like how they're doing that. They're trying to mix in so that you could find articles that you like. And then next thing you know, you're reading an article, but you were looking for a part or you were looking for a part or you were reading an article. And next thing you know, you're looking for a part. I like that little mix. It creates what what we call uh, Benzinga, our ecosystem. And, and the ecosystem, you can tell they, they're trying to really combine all the different uh, kind of elements there is in vehicles, you know, whether it be events, um, whether it be kind of just reading blogs, reading how to do stuff like right here. How does a, a dual sync distributor work and when do I need one? The, those kind of articles are going to be read. I can tell you that, guys, and their SEO, like he said, he's focusing on SEO. So why? So they can show up on the rankings on Google. So like when you search, hey, I need a car part or a car auto part or how do, how do I how does a dual sync distributor work? Guess what? You just might see this article be one of the top ones to pop up. Yeah, you know, the, they had that whole slide, right, on social media and, you know, SEO. And and that's a key, right? Because this is a, a legacy company that, that's been in, you know, that niche market of, you know, performance auto parts. But they're also growing because the market is growing. You know, as I said, you're seeing more millennials, more Gen Z, you know, getting into performance auto. And they're going to be able to capture that, you know, by using social media and what Mitch just said, you know, integrating that into their website. So, you know, again, a, a company with revenue and profits looking good long term. All right, guys, before before I end, it wouldn't be money, Mitch, if he didn't give a little mute there. So, all right, let's keep going. Let's get into, guys, the movers of the day, guys, the movers of the day. Let's see what's moving out there. What do we like right now? Fast is leading, man. Fast is, is starting to get a lead. Yeah, What's we got that, Chris? we got FST leading today. This is a surprising one. Remember, I said the news yesterday. What was that? Those restaurants are going to accept crypto as payment. So you, you know how it much of a, a that. how much of a needle mover is that going to be for revenue, or is this just you know people you know buying on the headline? But this this is a potential reopening play, right? They're casual dining restaurants that have been closed or have been you know limited in capacity. So this one, you know, after the deal is approved, it could real quick become a reopening play. 
All right, guys, let's move on here. Of course, Hillion still looking decent, decent here, guys. It's starting to get above that trend line that we drew. Let me see that one-day chart so I can show you guys that look. Let's see if we can get above this and start holding, guys. I've drawn this line. I've drew it. Look how we started above it today. Let's see if we can close above this high that we had on the 27th, guys. That's going to be very important. The high there is 10.99. I would love to see it close over 11 today. That's how I see it keep looking strong there. Yeah, it's still surprising to me that, you know, Hylian got all the way down to eight, but it looks like it's coming back here. Um, you know, so a, a nice movement again today. Um, you know, looks like maybe we can break that $11 level again. I see Clover moving, you, you know, CLOV. Like I said, those earnings on May 17th, I think that's going to be a big catalyst. You could see this one go, you know, either way, either, you know, it, it gets the support because they have some new deals or new numbers to announce or it could you know tank because their guidance gets cut again so you know clover definitely you know has an exciting may ahead one way or another so one trend that i've been pointing out guys is that big volume bar buildup right and that's what you kind of need to see a big move. Here you guys are seeing that big volume bar buildup in IGAC. Yet we're not having a crazy day today, but that pile in, that's not that's no small little pile in, guys. That's uh, compared to the volume, you're talking about almost seven times or 10 times the volume that's been in this one. IGAC, someone's trying to get sneaky there. What's up with this, Chris, before we get you, on out of here? You know, perfect, Mitch. Uh, let's talk about this one tomorrow. This is actually going to be an options play idea that I have for you guys. So full disclosure, Ooh, I, stick, stay I, tuned, am, stay tuned. I am now long options on IGAC, and, and I'm loving the volume, Mitch. I'm loving that $10 um, level. And we saw the deal get done for SEAH. I think IGAC lands a sports betting deal as well. And it looks like based on the volume, maybe a deal is coming soon. But let's talk tomorrow on some ways to place uh, options on some of these SPACs because that's what I'm doing here with IGAC is playing the options. Like always, guys, we're going to keep going through it. Check it out tomorrow, guys. The SPAC option play by Chris going to be mentioned. Definitely stay tuned for that. Like always, guys, we're going to keep going through. We have some more interviews like we always do. We're going to keep doing bigger and bigger interviews. I I've heard some big names really being mentioned in the back there. by Chris and Zoltan working hard. So you guys stay tuned. Stick with us on the SPACs attack. You guys already know. And Chris, anything else before yeah, we, we got, get on out? We got some huge names coming up, guys. You don't want to miss these. You know, another interview today. And we have an interview tomorrow as well. That ticker is GLEO Shapeways, which ARC Funds just bought 500,000 shares in. So find out tomorrow all about this company that Kathy Wood is loving. All right, guys. And tomorrow, tomorrow, guys, we'll be giving out the reward there for our giveaway, our giveaway there. Just want to go ahead and put the link here for you guys that haven't entered all week. Uh, maybe you got some, we got some new people here. I'm going to go ahead and throw the link in here. Definitely, definitely, guys, get your chance here to win before we get on out of here. Have your chance to win. There's the link, guys. And I'll give you a little secret. The code is Derby, Derby, Derby. Get it done, guys. Get it done. And we'll see you guys tomorrow on the SPACs. Attack. Thanks, everyone.